Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We got Megan, we got Rudo coming to you live on a Tuesday during the All-Star break. Uh, plenty of trade talks to get into. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that a lot today, or at least pieces that could be traded. But before we do, uh, obviously, some news of the day, really news that has been swirling for a little while now on that uh, 2018 Canada team, a handful of players surrendering to Ottawa police today. Yeah, we've been asked some questions about if or how we plan to cover the topic, and I just wanted to bring people up to speed that we do plan to cover this case. Um, I've been in touch with the London Police's media officer for the upcoming press conference on February 5th. The players that have been asked to surrender have been asked to surrender prior to that, so we should have more information before then, but I wanted to report on what information is learned from that press conference, and they haven't set a time for it yet, but I will be tuning in remotely. It should be available on Facebook for everyone to tune into uh, next Monday. And once we have some information directly from the London police as well as what has been reported on recently, we do want to talk about it. Rick Westhead reported today that he believed it was unlikely that we see a trial for this case until 2026. So as you can imagine, there's also just a lot of time before we learn even more about the incident. But I also wanted to caution how the conversation around this topic takes shape. I've already seen people utter the Duke lacrosse case and Trevor Bauer in how they talk about this. And this is a unique case that is special to, unique to um, the individual survivor and the alleged assailants. And I think it's important then to treat it uniquely because over a year ago, the Ottawa, let's see, it was the London police in an appeal to, there it is, the Ontario Court of Justice. Um, they submitted a 94 page document and in it, they demonstrated reasonable grounds that five members of the 2018 allegedly sexually assaulted a woman. 94 page document, is a little more than he said, she said. And I understand people want to take a neutral stance, but immediately coming from a place of being dismissive of a survivor's claims is not the neutral stance that people think that it is. And the players that have been accused of this probably won't see that, but people in your life who are survivors themselves probably will. I think the truest way to take a neutral stance, I understand that people would like to wait for more information to come out, is to wait for information to come out. When you decide to enter the conversation around this topic by casting doubt on a victim's claims, it isn't neutral. And when we know the disproportionate abundance about the realities of sexual assault and the frequency at which they occur, the Trevor Bowers and the Duke lacrosse cases stand out as an anomaly. We have a podcast that we've done with a lot of academically sourced research on the nature of sexual assault and the frequency at which it happens that we can leak you back to. I spent, no joke, six hours compiling that research from university-backed studies, peer-reviewed journal articles, so that it was better information than a Google search could provide for a reason. It is important to treat this topic with care, including all parties involved. There's still a lot of information that is not yet known but I really would like to see all of us handle it with the care that it deserves. It's important to remember the person, right? I know with this case, especially, 
there has been a lot of swirling information obviously that all of the team canada stuff the the fund they have and and all of that when that came out all of that is important stuff that we should know about and obviously there are some issues there that i'm sure we'll go into more details on later as this continues to develop but even with all of this swirling information it's important to remember that somewhere in there there is a a victim <laughs> and they matter in my opinion a whole lot more than anything else at the end of the day so hopefully justice can be served in one way or another whatever that may end up looking like um that's all I had on the topic. Anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, there, okay. there's more to come. We'll, yeah, for sure. You know, we don't want to talk about it off the cuff too much. It's exactly. A, because we want to treat it with care, and that's why we haven't talked about it yet, um, is we do want to really prepare for that episode when it comes in the near future. Yep. So something that's on our radars for sure. Uh, today, a little bit more of a lighthearted topic. Uh, we've talked a lot about potential trade targets, uh, particularly for Colorado. And, and I think we've talked some about some of the pieces they have, but it, it is important to remember that if you're going out and trading for someone, yes, you have to give something up. And the realities of the world are, Raijo doesn't have a ton of value if you're going out and trading for a high-end center or something like that. So we figured we'd talk about what pieces are available, not just to the Avs, but to Winnipeg and Dallas as well at the top of the Central Division. All teams that are likely to be buyers and, and heading towards the playoffs, trying to make their team as high-end as they can. Uh, so let me start here. Do the Avs have enough assets to genuinely chase after some of the high-end pieces like an Elias Lindholm? It's tough to say why I'm inclined to say maybe is because just for the purposes of this show, we also looked at potential assets for the top competitors in yep. the central. Yep. And in looking at their prospect pools, though, I'd say Winnipeg's is probably deeper. I would agree. Comparatively, that is sort of where I'm turning to. There aren't tons of roster players that jump off the page at you because any team that is in a position to be a buyer has very few roster players that they're willing to part with. Yep. As a result, you're looking then to the prospects and that's where it's a little murkier. Like I said, Winnipeg does seem to have a pretty deep farm, but even still, we know looking internally how we have valued some of the prospects and we've watched trade deadlines come and go and there are players that once had first round pedigree that can't even, that will go through waivers without yep. getting a phone call. Yep. And in knowing that, it's tough. I think they're in a better position uniquely with what they've done with some of the college free agents. And I don't know then if people classify those as prospects, um, but those are trade assets. For sure. Ben Myers being one we've talked about quite a bit now that I think stands out atop the list as being somebody that might have a little more going for them to get a deal across the finish line compared to some of the other true prospects in other teams is because... Ben Meyer's physical maturity that comes with having played the full years of college, yep. I think makes him more NHL ready and viable then to plug into an NHL lineup sooner than some of the other prospects on other teams. As a result, then we're kind of looking at Sam Malinsky. Maybe even this is a bit of a stretch, a Jason Poland as being other pieces that could be included 
to get a deal across the finish line sooner than we utter Cal Ritchie, Mikhail mm. Guliev, <laughs> Sean Barons. Look, he's in my list for a reason. Yeah. These are all players that still have rising stock in the eyes of the Avs organization. For sure. But they are also a few years away from being pro ready. And Definitely. I think that is going to make some amount of difference, especially in the case of Guliev having a contract through 2026 in terms of what other teams might even be interested in. Yeah. There's always some picks that they could throw around, but I think that teams like Calgary yeah. willing to part with an Elias Lindholm, they probably want a roster play in, player in return. Yeah. And there's very few of those that I think make sense to part ways with for a rental. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, starting with the picks this year, the Avs missing their second and third. They do have a first and then the later round picks. In 2025, they're missing their second, so they do have a third and their first, and then the later round picks, and then in 2026, they have their full slate for now. So they are a little thin on the pick side. Uh, if you're giving up a pick in this year's draft, it's almost certainly going to be a first for the Avs if it's a high-end one, obviously. Later round picks you can throw in, whatever. Um, but they may have to look to future draft classes, potentially, to get value out of their picks, uh, yeah, you, you kind of mentioned the majority of the, the prospects that will be reasonably interesting, I think, around the league. Sure, there could be other guys that a team might like or whatever that they could be interested to, to do in a deal. Uh, but when it comes to that roster, is there how realistic is it that the Avs can give up a roster player this year? Because I look at their forward core, and outside of Rijo, I don't really see anyone that the makes sense for the abs to give up. I get you know, maybe a, a fourth liner, like an Olafson or a Kiviranta is pretty replaceable for them. But as far as core pieces of their lineup, I don't see a world where the abs are getting rid of a Logan O'Connor, uh, even an Andrew Cogliano, certainly not any of their miles Wood, Ross Colton recent acquisitions. And, yeah. and then obviously not the superstars. I think, too, that's the lens I wanted to look at this show from, too, is outside of the obvious core of players who are the untouchables. Sure. And it does feel like a, a couple of those names that you mentioned, Logan O'Connor being one. I know it feels pointed to bring him <laughs> up, but the contract that he's on and the value that he brings beyond what is projected to be a 22-goal season. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that keeps up, but... The production has been unlike what we've ever seen before from him. But the other things that he's always done is not something that they have an immediate answer to replace in the lineup in terms of the minutes he eats on the PK. You would rather have those minutes away from Val Nichushkin so he can contribute five on five if Logan O'Connor is taking the heavy lifting on the penalty kill. It just makes the team better and it stars having a Logan O'Connor in the lineup. I just don't think there's any world they trade him and this could age so poorly, but I genuinely think that would be a huge mistake. Same, you know, unless it's some made up trade where it's like, Oh sure. We'll give you Ellis Lindholm for Logan O'Connor straight up. Sidney Crosby. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, obviously you would say yes to that, but in a world where real trades happen and teams actually want value for their players, Logan O'Connor is far too valuable in the Avs system because of how cheap he is. 
players like Logan O'Connor, contracts like Logan O'Connor are what allow teams like the Avs to go out and make splashy moves because they're getting so much value out of a $1 million player against their cap. Now, they still do need to move out cap like Rijo is just the easy one there, but there are other options I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. But you can't lose that cap value in a trade because you're already so squeezed up against it when you're Colorado. And I'm sure other teams would have interest in Logan O'Connor. It's not that. It should be the Avs saying, no, we're not moving this guy. Yeah. Hang up the phone right away, Chris yeah. McFarland. <laughs> it, yeah. And this isn't even like LOC's great, but he's not some unbelievable player that the Avs couldn't afford to lose. Right. It's it's just it makes too much sense for Colorado to keep him from every standpoint, fit, need, contract value, etc. Absolutely. That's where to the, the teaching that he does for players that come into the system yeah. is also so valuable that it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So do you find yourself looking at potential expendable roster players more so in the decor? Yep. Same. I think it's just the reality of where the Avs have more space to give. You mentioned it with Sam Malinsky. The flip side of the Sam Malinsky conversation is if you want to get rid of a roster player, maybe Sam Malinsky slots into that roster. Obviously, you're not touching Kale. Obviously, you're not touching <laughs> right. Devon. Trade I Kale. Trade <laughs> Kale. So you're not touching your top pairing. I think in theory, any of your bottom 4D would be available if it were me personally based on what we've seen this year i'm not touching sam gerard the other three look the deal has to be correct obviously moves like this are very difficult to pull off in season so i don't know how realistic moving one of these guys is but the most valuable piece on the defense i'd be willing to move is is bowen byram I wanted to ask, too, because I feel like earlier in the year when Josh Manson was dealing with lingering injury from the procedure this summer, there was concern, like, is this a contract they need to part ways with as soon as possible while he still has value just yeah. because there's now a pattern in him being unavailable in games because of injury? And it's hard to say right now because of how well he's playing for the Avs. Yeah. I would be against advocating for him not being on the roster because of what he does add that's different from other members of the decor yeah. you would really lose a lot of the grit and the edge the sandpaper that he brings to the decor and they're really you know that's not what sam malinsky brings it's not what Very bowen true. byron brings and i would be less inclined to advocate for manson to be a piece that goes out now but i also recognize that it made a little bit more sense a few months ago so i don't know if I'm only a few months removed from having thought that if it is actually somebody that we could consider. It's tough, right? Because the Avs, I, I, I think particularly you look at the Avs penalty kill, not just the physicality from Josh Manson. At this point, Kale McCarr has not been a good penalty killer for the Avs, and we've desperately been asking the Avs to play him less. Yeah. If you get rid of Josh Manson on that decor, Kale McCarr's playing a lot of penalty kill. He's playing a lot everywhere else, obviously. I don't think you're doing yourself a whole lot of favors by moving on from someone like Josh Manson when it comes to metering your top players. 
with that said, I'm never going to say never. If the right deal comes up, I'd trade just about anybody. That's the reality of the business. But it certainly feels like Manson has found his fit here better than a Bowen Byram has this year, than a Jack Johnson even has this year. I don't know how much value Jack Johnson has, but to me it feels pretty easy. Even if you want that style of player, Caleb Jones is there for the Avs to replace that. I actually do think they need to, even if it feels like a very lateral move, kind of similar to how the England for Jack Johnson move felt last year. At this point, they're not really utilizing Caleb Jones in the best way. He is kind of just sitting there. I think I personally feel he'd be waiver bait if they did try to reassign him back to Loveland because this is the time of year where teams have a better idea for their needs. And that is the type of defenseman that people do want to keep as a seventh man. He's been around for sure. Exactly. He's just a little bit more reliable for NHL minutes. And so I think it'd be harder to get him through at this point of the season than earlier. And that's just another contract and very little money that's sitting on their cap space right now. And even if it feels lateral, I don't know if they need to make a decision there one way or the other. It's not banging the drum for Caleb Jones to be moved out necessarily either, but it does feel like they could optimize how they're using that space right now. Yeah. And the comment in the chat here about Bo still being young. Absolutely. If you are trading Bo and Byram, you have to understand what you're giving up. Has he been great this year for Colorado? No. But the reality is if you move that guy and you go put him on a team where he's going to get opportunity to be on a top pairing, he probably turns into a 40, 50 point guy, maybe better than that for another hockey team. You have to understand the asset you're giving up. And that's part of the reason why Bo and Byram, I think, does come up on a lot of people's lists as a potential roster player to trade. Because he has a lot of value. Right. There are a lot of teams that are looking at that guy and they're saying down the line he might be a top pairing guy for us. Philadelphia. Question is, can the Avs get value for a player like that in season? It's tough because no, I think you mentioned this yesterday that nobody wants to really do the Avs any favors. Yeah. And so I think that there's going to be a recent cup winner tax that's applied to any teams interested in dealing with Colorado for sure and that's where it gets tough is I think that realistically looking at some of the biggest pieces they have to offer up Bowen Byram stands out among the top is the is the return going to be fair enough it's probably a pretty good return but is it a rental is it worth it if they take a big swing for the cup it's hard to say yeah yeah, I, I mean, again, as always, it depends on the player. If you get the right guy, if you go on and win the cup, obviously everything's always worth it, right? It doesn't matter. But I don't live in the future. I don't know if the Avs are going to win the cup. I don't. I, to be honest with you, I do not expect the Avs to trade Bowen Byram. To be clear, not in season. Yeah, I don't think it's realistic, but it could happen. If you had to pick a player, I would say he might make the most sense for Colorado of ones that actually have significant value. Um, it would be a tough sell for me to to trade Byram for a rental, and this is why I think it makes more sense in the off season. If you're moving Byram, you go out and get a guy on a longer deal. You solve ostensibly the two C spot permanently with someone like Bowen Byram. I think so too, because I think the options and the pressure 
will benefit the abs more than the deadline pressure and trying to find somebody with fewer options inside the deadline and teams trying to take advantage of the opportunity that the abs, the position that they're in. I've wondered, we've talked about it a little bit, but is a goaltending piece in Eustace Anunen a player that could draw enough interest? I hope so. I, I, it's an interesting spot because my question still is what's the abs plan with Ananen? Do they, are they going to try and transition him into a backup role next year? If the answer to that is no, I think you should probably be looking to get value out of him somewhere. Even if that is a, Hey, we're going to go get Mark Andre Fleury as, as Georgiev's backup or whatever it might be. There have to be teams in the NHL that look at Ananen's play both in the NHL and at the AHL level over his career so far and have interest in him for an NHL job of some kind. Probably not a starter, but a cheap backup option for a team that I just want the Avs to use in that role, to be honest with you. Right. But if the Avs don't want to do that, someone will. It does seem like there's been greater need for goaltending support this year. Just a lot of injuries have played goaltenders around the league that he's someone I'm keeping an eye on that could have more value than ever before. I think his numbers too have gradually improved year by year Mm -hmm. in the American league. And he has had limited showings in the NHL, but I think they've been fine. You know, the teams generally tried to play very well in front of him too. Um, But the low cost, the young age, there's some upside that I think people could be intrigued by if they are in a desperate enough position. Yep. It's does he count as a roster player? You know, I don't I don't really I don't know. Think, but, I don't think he does, yeah. but I'm hoping there's a goaltender value sure. that adds a little extra emphasis to what he could be in a trade if needed. I'd also prefer to just see the Evs use him because they've invested time and resources into his development. Yep. But he's an RFA and no longer waiver exempt, as you've mentioned at the end of this year. I just really want to see them decide what they'll do with him. Yep. They got to make that decision. Uh, When it comes to the prospect pool, being fully admitted here, I have bias on which prospects I would like the Avs to keep and which ones they would like to get rid of. But which ones do you think, from the Avs perspective, are the most reasonable to let go of? Let's... Move the move the AHL aside for a second. The depth chart of the uh, reserve list for Colorado. Guliev, Barons, Cal Ritchie are really the big three. Maybe you could throw a couple other names in there, but which one do you think is most likely to get moved? That's... I don't know. I don't feel like any of them are really likely, if that fair. makes sense. That's fair. Barons might be at the top of the list just because of how deep they've gotten defensively. Sure. It's the position I think they could afford to part with more than others. I think Cal Ritchie answers a need for center depth that they've been hurting for. And also just his stock is still so prematurely on the rise that I don't think they'd want to let go of that until they have a fuller picture of what he could be. Sure. Um, so Barons might be at the top. This might be too wild, but because of the addition of Parise, 
Yep. Is Kovalenko any more True. expendable than he was before? Um, maybe. I, I, the Kovalenko conversation is one that has been in flux all year for a number of reasons. One, Val Nichushkin, if he can realistically come back and be put together as a human being, let alone a hockey player, I think that's really the, the key piece to making Kovalenko more expendable for Colorado than anything. Because the reality is, is as, as much as I love Kovalenko, he would be coming in to play a bottom six role. And, and likely, if this Colton Wood LOC line is sticking together, that's going to push Kovalenko to your fourth line. You can find fourth line players. It's not that difficult. Parise may well end up being one for Colorado. So if you're seeing it that way and you're not going to give Kovalenko a ton of opportunity this first season, yeah, I can see how he would be expendable. And then that gets even more compounded if you live in a world where you think it's possible that Landis Gog could be coming back yeah. too, as he has been skating a bit more. Still a long way to go. But if you get to the trade deadline and you have a realistic path to Landis Gog playing playoff games for you, at that point, I think you have to be looking at moving Kovalenko just based on a numbers game. Um, so that is a really good point to, to bring up Kovalenko as, as a potential opportunity to, for the abs to find value there too. Uh, the AHL side, we already mentioned in and then it's, it's interesting because I struggle to place value. I don't know how much other teams will value an Oscar Alausen, a Jean-Luc Foodie. I see it with Ben Myers. I, I totally, teams will value that. Totally get that one. I am curious how much an, an Olausen and a Foodie would go for with some other teams. Because he's missed so much time. Yeah. I think Foodie's relevancy for this deadline was harmed. Sure. I don't think that, you know, he's lost value as a prospect on the whole. It just, there isn't a body of work recently for people to compare to. And because so much of his identity as a player has been a little bit wild, a little bit hard to pin down. Yeah. I don't think NHL teams would be as interested in that because it's such an unknown quantity. And I think within the Avs organization, we can still be high on foodie and we should oh, be. Yeah. But for the purposes of what he might mean to other teams, I think it's been harmed. And similar with Oscar Lawson, he's not doing bad in the AHL this year. It just isn't jumping off the page among his peers. Yep. And so I think that his stock has lowered every year that he has played because he's still relatively new to the pro league, but it's still what with what he was expected to do with his draft status has fallen a little bit below expectation. And he's had basically one NHL game, if we're being honest with ourselves. And it just, it wasn't, that's not enough for teams to make decisions off either. I think that last deadline would have been when there was the most intrigue around Olausen. And so it's just a little tough that he hasn't done more than in this year with the Eagles to be a more intriguing trade piece. The reality of trade value is it's not necessarily an accurate representation of the player. It's a perception of what teams think a player they can get out of, especially with prospects. They're making their own projections on a guy that they've seen a handful of times playing for another team. And 
those values rarely line up with what a player ultimately ends up being. Right now, I would say Olausen and, and Foodie's perceptions are probably pretty low. Cal Ritchie's might be a little bit on the high side, mm. if I'm being honest. And it, uh, this is part of what makes trading players so hard is because you don't know how another team values a certain guy at the end of the day. They might be super interested in a piece that you didn't think teams would have much interest in. They might have no interest in the piece that you are really trying to sell out there. So trades are hard, <laughs> trades are hard. is the point I'm trying to make. But if you want to take the edge off when you're trying to make trades in your fantasy league, get over to Natures of Colorado. You can get with Natures of Colorado today. They have four locations uh, that provide amazing grades of cannabis, a vast variety of products. Uh, go check them out if you haven't in Log Lane Village, Garden City, Sedgwick, and Milliken. Uh, they're the go-to northeastern Colorado dispensary. Uh, you can save time by ordering ahead online also at naturescolorado.com. Uh, stay cozy in your car. It's a drive through pickup. You don't even have to go into the store. One of the easiest ways to go get your cannabis. Uh, visit a location to mention DNVR to get a bunch of amazing deals with Natures of Colorado, including $99 ounces every day. Uh, and the DNVR code, you can get a full ounce of any shelf for $85 an ounce. Exquisite extracts, two gram bucket for $15. Uh, and remember to use that DNVR code when you do get in or when you order online for that drive through pickup with Natures of Colorado. Uh, we're also brought to you by Bet365. Sign up today with the DNVR365 code. Go do it because you get a bunch of awesome stuff. When you sign up with the DNVR365 code, you put in at least $5, you get $150 in bonus bets. That's just free money to go bet with. So even if you lose it all, it doesn't matter because you didn't actually lose anything. And if you win something, you got free money. Good job. Uh, you also, if you put five more dollars in for a total of 10 you get a little coupon from us. Take a picture of your account with the 10 bucks in it. Send it to promo at thednvr.com. We'll send you a coupon for a free DNVR shirt. So if you want the three-headed monster, you can uh, you can go get this shirt right here or a bunch of other options too, whether it doesn't even have to be an Av shirt. If you want to go get uh, a Nugget shirt or a Broncos shirt or a Rocky shirt, uh, you can get them, whatever you want, even if it's just a, a DNVR flag shirt. You got to get that too uh, with our, our free shirt coupon. Hit up Bet365 today and use that DNVR365 code when you sign up. Of course, you must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, did you want to touch on anything else, Avs, before we get into the top five? No. Okay. So we're going to take a little bit of a sidetrack here. I got a top five for you. It is All-Star Week. I'm taking the top five all-star snubs this year. Starting with number five, I had to put one goalie on the list. I put Joey Decord. I really think he should be at the all-star game uh, over someone like a Cam Talbot. I get some of Cam Talbot's regression has come after the actual all-star selection was made. But you, you look at some of the other guys that are there. A Thatcher Demko. Uh, Joey Decord's numbers are at least as good as Demko's have been. And he's playing on a Seattle team who sent Oliver Bjorkstrand 40 points in 49 games. Good. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him. But without Joey Decord, the Seattle Kraken are a bottom five team in the NHL. It's a guy who should be at the All-Star game. 
And the emergence of Joey Decord, first of all, if you've watched him in the American League, you saw this coming. Yeah. He was better. That's not nice. He was better than the American League for a little bit now. Sure. And Eagles fans know him all too well just <laughs> in how strong of a goaltender he is because of the exit that yeah. we a were little playoff series issued. There. Yes. At the hands of Joey Decord. And so I have a lot of respect for him as a goaltender and I've been waiting for him to seize a more permanent NHL role because the skill upside has been there for a while now. And I love him for this list. Yep. I really think he should be there. And there are a couple of guys on this list who I look at the selection from that team that the NHL made and I went, you just picked the wrong guy. It happened with Seattle. Uh, number four, I have Victor Hedman. Hedman is having a great year, but this spot is more about defensemen in general on this list. I could have made a top five of snub defensemen alone. <laughs> guys uh, like Roman Yossi, guys like Evan Bouchard probably should be at the All-Star game. With its current setup, we sent four defensemen to the All-Star game this year. Four. They sent seven goalies. There are more goalies at the All-Star game than there are defensemen because of the way it's set up and this three-on-three nature. And it's it's kind of ridiculous to me that there aren't more defensemen at this thing. Hedman, a guy who we thought maybe was starting to see a downturn in his career, is now putting up over a point-per-game season over in Tampa Bay. I get it. He gets to play with Kucherov, and that's cool, and Kucherov's really good and all that. But he's having a fantastic year. If you as a defenseman are over a point per game, you should just be at the All-Star game. That, so I wonder, do you have Noah Dobson in this I, list? He's number three. Okay, yeah. okay, sick, sick. So that was like my unofficial snub for the All-Star yeah. game. And for similar reasons, one, just for what he's doing as such a young player, but third in defenseman in yep. scoring 52 points in 49 games. And that it's the kind of skill set that really serves an All-Star game. Yep. It's fun. People yep. love that. Yep. It's exactly right. And with the Dobson conversation... They sent Matt Barzell. He has 51 points. Noah Dobson, a defenseman, has more points than the forward you sent to the All-Star game. Who is making these selections? What are we doing? Send the good player. Not, again, no fault on Barzell. I'm totally fine with him being there. But Noah Dobson should be there. It's, it's crazy. There. It's absolutely crazy. It feels like the decision gets based less about what the regular season is doing and more about like the history of the player on a whole. Yep. Because even the Alexander Georgiev selection befuddled us a little bit too and just leading the league in wins didn't feel strong enough. It's like, well, he was really great last year and Matt Barzell's been a top player for the Islanders for a while. Like, yep. Did that drive some of the decision-making for this All-Star game? Maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon, but... We should just be calling it the popular players game, not yeah, the all-star game. No, exactly. So, I don't know. There should be more defensemen there. The fact that Dobson isn't there is ridiculous. Uh, he absolutely should have gone. Bringing me, though, to my top two, and this one is very similar to the, the argument you just made for Dobson. But number two, I have Miko Rantanen. First <laughs> of all, tied for sixth in scoring. Uh should be there when you have one through five all went and then there's two players tied for sixth and then you're eight through 14 all went as far as top scoring in the nhl and somehow miko doesn't end up going as part of that group in a tie for sixth in scoring but with miko in particular one of the best goal scorers in the nhl in recent years one of the best passers in the nhl 
has the perfect talent set for even if you're not going to play him in the all-star game for the skills competition at right. very least and i'm sure miko's on a beach somewhere right now enjoying the fact that he's not at the all-star game but from a from a point of if you're bringing the all-stars together if you're bringing a a group of what is supposed to be the best nhlers in the world the best hockey players in the world miko should be there he's also fun he is game. fun. Yeah, exactly. Like he crushed the surfboard competition yep. and he jumped into the dunk tank just for fun. I think he's exactly the kind of thing the NHL is hungry to market around. And yeah. they have a lot of players that are so introverted. That is not Miko Rantanen. He, he's so good for the game. I'm happy he is getting an actual vacation, but he is so good for what the All-Star game is supposed to be. It's a great point. Not obviously Nathan McKinnon should go he's the best player yes, in the world right 100%. now but you think nathan mckinnon's gonna be a, a fun personality on the ice for the all-star game probably not i hope tate mccray brings out the best in <laughs> <him>. <laughs> he's gonna yell at people to do their jobs in the all-star game that's just who nathan mckinnon is all right so miko would have been a lot more fun and in the in the same vein as miko my number one artemi panarin um Look, he's one of the best play driving wings in the NHL. He's tied with Miko in points. Should absolutely be there. And and the problem with the current NHL voting system, not not the voting system, not the player vote is what it is for when it comes to the fans. Obviously, they're going to do whatever they want. But because of how few players get to go, when you play on a team with a guy like the goaltender out there in, in a Shesterkin, uh, if you play for a team like with Nathan McKinnon, you just get you get screwed by a guy who doesn't even play the same position as you. And, and you know, obviously the fan vote is a way to get in that let Panarin down, that let someone like me go down, if you want to call it that. Uh, but guys that should be there are not there. And maybe, maybe it's just, hey... The All-Star game isn't for me. I don't understand it. I don't understand the fan vote side of it. The players that the fans wanted to see are going because they voted them in. Sure, I can live in that world. But if it were me as a young hockey fan, the whole point is to see the best players to me, not the, oh, this is just the player I like. I watch them every day anyway because I watched hockey. I want to see the best players in the world all get together and play hockey, especially in a world where... They don't go to the Olympics. We haven't had a World Cup in a, in a significant amount right. of time. And I know they're not going to take the All-Star game very seriously. That's fine. But you want to see that skill on display, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's tough, too. We've, we've had criticisms of the overall process for how players get voted in. Because the format does, like, in a world where Camel Carr is only going because of the fan vote yep. is bizarre. Yep. You know, he's such a unique talent. He's so fun to watch. It would be bizarre if, by some chance, the fan vote didn't put him in. That one of the best defensemen ever just not there. isn't yeah. there, isn't represented, isn't seen. Yep. And I, I think that's the overall criticism then for the format is how some players get left out of the conversation I'm wondering, just out of respect to our friends over at PHNX, where mm -hmm. you stand on the Connor Ingram, maybe even over Clayton Keller conversation. 
I'm I'm fine with it if they want to put him in over Clayton Keller. Totally, I I think that's totally reasonable. I think he'd be close otherwise. He was on the list of the couple of goalies I think could have gone. Uh, Decord was just a, a better option of the ones for me that didn't get in. In a world where you're, if you're throwing out Tam Calbit, if you're putting Joey Decord in over Thatcher Demko's vote, maybe Connor Ingram is that last goaltender. I think you probably have Alex Lyon in that conversation yeah. too. Uh, it'd be close. I, I wouldn't have a big argument against him if he go, if he went. I'd put it that way. I can respect that. And then obviously, you know, Georgiev just shouldn't be there. It's fine. It's, it's what Look, it is. No, I love Georgiev, but it just, yeah, it it was a little bit silly. Yeah, is what it is. Uh, the only other thing I will say, we've talked about this in previous years. It used to be a, a part of the conversation where if you're talking about a guy's Hall of Fame case, it's, well, how many All-Star games did he make? In the world of fan voting and the small, limited number of players that get to go under the current format, All-Star games don't mean anything anymore. They don't, because this will be Willie Nylander's first ever All-Star yeah. game. It's hard when you play on teams with Shesterkins and Austin <laughs> yeah. Matthews. It's just... Sometimes a little bit hard, like Leon Dreisaitl almost didn't yeah. go. Look, you know what? Connor McDavid belongs there. I'm not even going to entertain it. But you're yeah. right. It shouldn't mean much then in the scheme of things because if you are on a Hall of Fame track but you're on a team with other players on a Hall of Fame track, it just gets hard. You just don't go. and Or the fans just don't like you even if or you're a really good hockey player like or something. You. I don't know. So. It, is an, uh, it is, a, is not a perfect science either way. Uh, anyway, that is uh, the Bet365 top five with uh, the best all-star snubs. Best, I guess. I don't know. Is that the right word? It doesn't matter. Yes. Funny. Miles oh, Wood yeah, has that, been it's... a great signing. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah, I, Miles Wood being on that list makes no sense. Him being a allegedly worse signing than Ryan Reeves is a heinous take. Absolutely ridiculous. Right, these don't belong in the <clears throat> same list. Yeah. Uh, also, is, is David Kampf on that list? I forget. Because he has not been good. He has not been good for the Leafs at all. Uh, so... Yeah, Klingberg's been really bad. That's fair. That was fair. Yeah. It, <clears throat> some interesting takes. I just want to know what what put Miles Wood there. What did they see probably once in a game, right? Like, was it maybe, I'm trying to think, there's been a game or two where he's taken some silly penalties, but it hasn't even stood out as irksome. So it's not even close to what he was criticized for in New Jersey. My assumption is he saw they signed a bottom six guy for six years that is coming off a hip injury. Has never actually watched him play. Yeah, well, they didn't see, was it Jay Fresh who had the burst of speeds charts yep, for yep, skaters? Yep, yep. And they have a lot of speedy boys. They go and zoom. And Miles Wood is one of them. <laughs> and Logan O'Connor is another. <laughs> Do you even need to play hockey when you can skate fast? I mean, That's let's be real. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, all right. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by the folks over at... Oh, I wasn't ready. Hang on. Uh, Breck Brew? Yeah. Thank you, Tiff. Uh, 
Go get your Breck Brew today. Uh, I am obviously an Avalanche Amber Ale fan. It's my favorite. There are dozens of other flavors you can go with, though. They have rotating every single season. They'll have specialties. They'll have more permanent ones. The Juice Drop IPA, if you're an IPA fan, is uh, one that a lot of people love. So whatever it might be, go get your Breck Brew at your local liquor store. You can find it anywhere in the United States with the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com. And then once you got yourself your beer, you sit yourself down on the couch and you watch yourself some Fubo TV, okay? FuboTV.com slash DNVR to get 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. It's the easiest way to get your Colorado sports. They've got the abs and the nuggets. They've got you covered for Colorado sports. Right now, you can use that QR code on screen. You can get over there. Bunch of awesome stuff with Fubo. Over 140 live channels, including live TV, movies, sports, obviously, uh, and tons of other options as well. News, they've got it all. Uh, go get with them. They include a thousand hours of DVR with their Fubo Pro subscription. You can also get a free trial. You can cancel at any time. It's super easy to use. You don't have to jump through any hoops with Fubo. You just go out there and use it. Uh, a lot of us on the beat use it all the time now to, to catch games when we uh, are at home or otherwise. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We've talked about the Avs a lot. There are two other teams at the top of the Central Division in Winnipeg and Dallas that will also be looking to improve and be direct competition for Colorado in the West. Let me ask you this, and, and we'll go with your answer. Who's better set up to make deals this year? Is it Winnipeg or is it Dallas? I think it's Winnipeg okay. because of the deep prospect pool that mm-hmm. could help package some things to get a move across the finish line. Yep. But for me, it also seems clear to me what Winnipeg might be targeting. I think that their vision might be clear from my perspective, but I agree with that. I'm, I'm really unsure it. of exactly what Dallas would want right now. Maybe D I would depth D behind depth a Haskinen. Yeah, sure. That makes the most sense to me. Uh, Winnipeg, a little bit more clear, much like the Avs looking for a center. So could end up being in direct competition for some of these guys when it comes to trade value. Winnipeg does have their full slate of picks. Technically, the second this year is Montreal's, which actually probably makes it more valuable. Uh, Roster, eh, there are a couple guys I think could be interesting on their current roster that they might be willing to part with. But as you mentioned, you, you kind of take a look at their the depth side of their their lineup. You have a guy like a Vili Hanola that they've had in their system for a long time. What are they going to do with him? What value does he have? You could go into their their reserve lists and, and look at someone like a Rutger McGordy as an option. Uh, you have Brad Lambert as well down in the AHL. What makes sense to you for for Winnipeg to trying to be put on the uh, put on the block, showing off to people? Hanala, but what I don't know is what kind of a return that by itself would yield. Sure. Um, I think that it's hard to evaluate the needs of other organizations because the Avs That's have fair. such a deep yeah deep chart that depth D in him like in a young player with still an upside but hasn't quite found his home at the NHL level it's like not a player you want to give up on but obviously Winnipeg has invested time and resources into his development Um, (laughs) 
He's also going to lose his waiver exemption at the end of this season. So kind of like how we've talked about Ben Myers, Winnipeg needs to make some decisions around what he might be. But at the same time, because he hasn't stuck in the NHL this year, it's like the recency that we talk about with Foodie that it might not have as much curbside appeal For right sure. now to other teams. But I think that he's the most likely that they'd be willing to move on from. Because even like a Rutger McGordy, I feel like would that would have to, because his stock has risen, I think they'd have to yes. be really, um, really sure on the return that they're getting. I think yep. that'd be a harder player to part with. That definitely would have appeal, though. Yeah, it's... It's interesting because I think the reality of when you're talking about conversations that Winnipeg and Colorado are in, if you're looking for a proper 2C, you're probably going to have to give up a high-value prospect. And I don't know if the Ben Myers and Billy Hinolas of the world qualify. Move the needle. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it is more like a Brad Lambert, a Rutger McGordy, and at a certain point, organizations are going to draw the line and say, no, we're not giving up that guy. It's too much. We'll go out and get a Yanni Gord instead of a Elias Lindholm or something like that. I'm not saying that anyone's going to get Gord. Seattle probably going to keep him, but just a potential example. It's interesting. Like, is there a Brad Lambert comparable in the Avs prospect pool? Because, he is producing at a high clip in the AHL. He's only 20 years old, has some versatility in the forward group. Uh, if Foodie had been healthy if this Foodie year, had been healthy, <laughs> that's probably the I closest. I think so, too. Yeah. And honestly, in how the chat has mentioned Foodie's name, I think it's fair to point that out, that Foodie is still a high-end prospect to some degree. It just yep. stinks that he was plagued with injury the way that he was. Yep, exactly. So... They have some other guys down there, Chaz Lucius, and pieces that are, again, do they really, are they the impact part of the deal? Probably not, but they are a prospect that teams might find value in. Um, I, I'm really, I'm looking at their lineup as far as roster players, and I really don't know that there's a ton that they'd be willing to move on from that other teams would. Would, would have interest in. Yeah. Like, Logan Stanley. I, I'm good. <laughs> right. It's like they'd probably be willing to part with him, but who would have the interest? Yep. It's tough. Like 25 years old defenseman. It's not a spring chicken. Like that's Sam Gerard age, which I'm going to be honest. I didn't realize Sam Gerard was only 25 years old. Yeah. He's surprisingly young. He's quite young. And that's why I'm not so readily throwing Gerard's name out there um, just because of what he's been able to do at that position at 25. Yep. I view that as a track for defensemen that might take a couple years later to get to that point. And so anyways, that was a side tangent. <laughs> I like Sam Gerard. I like the season he's having um, and why I haven't uttered his name yet. <laughs> I, I would not trade Sam Gerard this year. I think it was very clear the difference with him out of the lineup and him in the lineup for Colorado this year. And again, with the with Bowen Byram, Bowen Byram having not taken that next step in his game, it just makes Gerard that much more valuable for Colorado. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to want Rasmus Kupari. He just hasn't played well enough to really generate interest. Maybe Morgan Barron. Maybe that's the piece on their roster that they're willing to part with a little bit. Uh, he's not old 25 not young either 
is a, he's an NHLer. How good is he actually? I don't know. He's not giving you what uh, Logan O'Connor is giving Colorado yeah. this year. So a little bit less valuable to someone like Winnipeg. Does that give you a confidence in knowing that they're sort of a competitor in the center market? Like, you know, I'm not sure what they have to get something of that big of a position across the finish line. Yeah, I, I the hope it gives me is that it drives the price in the right direction for Colorado, right? Because, look, if Winnipeg wanted to, they could throw a bunch of their picks at it and the Avs just wouldn't be able to match that if they wanted to go all in in that way. But I one, I don't think Winnipeg will do that. They've never been a team to to swing for home runs quite in that way. And and two, the Avs have a lot more of a competitive market if you're talking about, hey, we might not have the best roster players to give a team, but neither does a Winnipeg. Neither does a Boston, who's also likely in that two C yeah. targeting conversation. They yeah, they had some interesting decisions to make after Losing Bergeron yep. and Krejci to a different degree. Yeah, a little bit of a different conversation between the two. But it'll be, it, I think it is good for the Avs that Winnipeg is another team shaping up saying, hey, we don't really want to give you any roster players. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want one of our fourth liners that's just whatever. Uh, so with those two teams going directly at each other, I think it'll be curious to see which pieces end up where. Because maybe Lindholm ends up in Winnipeg and the Avs go out and get Monaghan or whoever the next piece on their list happens to be. And then you know, all you can do is wait and see how those two moves play out. Because I think it is important to notice, especially at the trade deadline, you don't always necessarily want to go out and get the best player available. You need someone who's going to fit with your organization. Absolutely. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I feel like this was the New York Rangers problem. Yeah. Last year. That's what gets you a first round exit, I guess. I not the Avs lost in the first round too, so I can't talk. But Lars Eller didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> Dallas's side of things. Dallas is a weird team. I don't know what to do with them because they have some good young pieces, but they also continue to have the Jamie Benz and Tyler Sagan's of the world who aren't getting any younger at a certain point. They're going to have to look to turn the corner and figure out what the rest of their core looks like behind a, a Jason Robertson, obviously of Jake Ottinger and goal, but are, do you think they'll be as willing to move on from, from picks and prospects? I'm only laughing just because of how picked apart Texas was in this off season. Yep. And I think to some extent, yes, because okay. there are young pieces in their core. There are on the NHL roster yep. that are being utilized. Um, you know, it, it's different from like even the Avs two seasons ago where I feel like there was a question mark around graduating some of those players. Whereas I think that Dallas has graduated some of these players, For um, sure. not a, not a crazy amount, but I think enough that they could part then with some of the depth. Okay. So they're willing to live with the young guys they've already have instead of wanting to hold on for some to fill it out. I could see that. I, they're, they're just a weird team. 
you look at their AHL depth. I don't love a lot of it. You have Antonio Stranges down there, I guess. Uh, a guy who can really skate. You have a Maverick Bork. Bork might be like the highest um, yep. of their depth. At least. His, his AHL numbers are certainly great. We'll yeah, 47 way. points in 39 games. He's their alternate captain, which I don't know how much stock to put in that, but at 22 years old, that's a pretty impressive badge oh, yeah. of leadership to be wearing. So to that end too, though, I don't know that Bork would be someone is they that a no trade list guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, ah, he clearly has value to the organization in Texas. So maybe it feels like Texas is a little bit harder up even than Colorado and Winnipeg are. Just, I, I would say that. Yeah. I would. So that bodes well for Colorado, too, when it, when it comes to something like that. Their roster, they're pretty full on the forward side, to be honest with you. Ben Sagan, Hints, Robertson, Marchment, Pavelski, Foxa, Duchesne. You're really not, they, I should say, are really not going to be looking for a ton of help in their top nine, probably on the forward side. Right. The defensive side, you mentioned it. Haskinen's great. Esselindel fills the role that he does quite well. And then you have a bunch of guys. Hawk and Paw, solid bottom pairing guy. Nils Lundqvist, the guy who's been a little bit all over the place in his career so far. There was a lot of hype around him. He hasn't really turned up to that next level offensively that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Ryan Suter is 39 <laughs> now. And They're handcuffed to it. Like if, yeah. they, if they could move that contract out, they would. But he's a full no move. Like they're, they're handcuffed to a bad D contract there. Yep. So they're a little bit stuck in some ways. I've never been a fan of Thomas Harley. It, it, I can see how they would want help on the defensive side. Yeah. I'll put it that way, as opposed to their forward core. I'm not sure how they get it done for a guy that significantly improves them, though. Unless they're willing to part with a piece of their depth in the forward core, because I think it's where they're strongest and, yep. and where they could garner the most interest. Um, but there's also some untouchables there. Like I've seen people mention DeShane. I do not think that Dallas would, I would do Shane. be shocked the affordability of bringing him there and the success that he's found is just too good and quite frankly I don't know that teams would anticipate having the same success with Duchesne in their lineup I think it has just worked out as a perfect fit for him there but I don't know that other NHL teams would find it, that gamble as much it just payoff. doesn't make a ton of sense right since Duchesne's on a one-year deal any team that would be interested in him would be a team looking to rent him for the playoffs and likely that's a team that doesn't want to do a deal with Dallas who is also looking to get better for the playoffs right not to mention he's making three million dollars and has given Dallas 45 points this year why would you move on from that right I think it's even depthier depth <laughs> that they'd be willing to part with there you go uh, uh yeah Foxa. i mean i don't know i've always liked ty delandria but i i like ty delandria could be one of the pieces that they maybe feel like hasn't fit into their puzzle anymore i maybe i'm reaching with that but just trying to come up with something on their roster they have most of their picks they're missing their third this year and their second next year uh they have the rest of them so on that front about the same as the abs are nothing too crazy Wow, they have sent Matt Murray up and down a million times. 
That's crazy. <laughs> a million times. Yeah. <laughs> I was just scrolling through their cat friendly and their entire recalls and reassignments. Matt Murray, Matt Murray, Matt Murray, Matt Murray. So I'm sure they'd love to trade Matt Murray. <laughs> um, anyway, it, it's an interesting situation because it, the top of the central really does feel like it's three teams trying to squeeze out every last dollar, every last little bit when it comes to the value at the trade deadline. And then you have a team like Vegas who is extremely handcuffed to buy their cap situation too. So the West is going to be a lot of finagling when it comes to the trade deadline this year. Yeah. There are good teams that don't have a lot of options like Vegas, LA, yep. Yep. which works in the Avs' favor though. Like you said, it might make other offers, competing offers, not as enticing as they might ordinarily be. And and maybe just maybe we see something get done that seems lower than we would have expected. There you go. Joe and C-Mac got to fire up the magic trade machine again. That's right. Just don't answer the phone if they're asking about LOC. <laughs> you see that number? Straight to... Uh, Straight to voicemail. Voicemail? I don't, is that... A, can I just block them? Is that block them? Yeah. <laughs> Don't call here again. Blocked. Never speak to me or my son, or Logan O'Connor, again. Logan O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we are going to wrap it up there. A, a fun one today. Always interesting to look at the trade and uh, all-star game stuff. We will be back tomorrow. I will have uh, Eric back in studio as he gets back uh, in town think we'll answer listener questions i don't know keep an eye on our twitter follow us at dnvr underscore avalanche uh we'll put out a call for questions if we end up doing questions tomorrow uh but if that's it we appreciate all y'all guys hanging out with us today uh we will be here for the rest of the week even with it being all-star break so be sure to tune in like and subscribe here on youtube or if you like to listen to us while you're driving you can always find us on spotify and podcast sites as well we appreciate you and we'll talk to you on the next one we all silly like the mayor. 